Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio, the show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are the last leg of the Triple Crown produces another new winner, golf's third major tournament out on the West Coast, the Vikings moving on from star running back Dalvin Cook, where does the big-time free agent land next? Vegas dominates in bringing home their first Stanley Cup championship. Toronto Raptors find their next head coach. The next line of NBA rookies wait to hear their names called at this year's NBA draft. Total domination by the Denver Nuggets, recapping the NBA Finals. With that, I give you our assistant chief for our fire brigade, Colton Cow. Thanks, Matt. We're here on a Wednesday night, uh, somewhat uh, beautiful sunny day here uh, in Delaware, Ohio. Uh, real quick before we before we get started, we're gonna pay uh, pay a little homage to our uh, one of our sponsors, uh, Betstamp. They are a uh, sports betting app um, that you can use to you know get the best money lines, get your best uh, you know lines for betting. Um, this ad will tell you a little bit about how their app works, so and how it might be able to help with your uh, sports betting um, needs. So we'll be right back. Stick with us. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Betstamp app, which is helping thousands of people win at sports betting for free. The same way travelers use Google Flights or Expedia to find the best prices, bettors can now use Betstamp to do the same. When you place a bet, the odds given by a sports book will determine how much you can possibly win. Even when betting on the same outcome, different sports books will offer varying payouts, and these differences can be huge. Betstamp allows you to easily line shop for the most profitable odds across all sports books. You can click on any matchup and instantly see all the different odds for game line, for game lines, player props, and even future bets. Line shopping is the simplest way to find an edge in sports betting and maximize your chances of long-term winning. On average, Betstamp users win an extra $1,000 plus yearly just by line shopping. You can find the Betstamp app on the Apple iOS Store, Google Play Store, or through your browser at www.betstamp.app. To access all these benefits, sign up using promo code FIREDUP and start your journey to successful sports betting today. If you forget to use the code upon sign up, you can always enter our code in your Betstamp account settings afterward. Check it out. All right, and we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, like Matt mentioned before the break, going to recap a little horse racing that took place over the over the weekend. Uh, recap the last leg of the of the Triple Crown races at at the Belmont, the 155th running of, of the Belmont Stakes. Um, you know, three three uh, you know three Triple Crown races, three different winners in in this year's uh, you know um, Triple Crown races. Uh, Archangelo, uh, you know, finished seven seven to one odds. Uh, took took home the you know took home the bacon, took home the prize there. Um, you know, winning winning the Belmont Stakes. Um, you know, held off. You know, did did a couple of you know uh, National Treasure, who was you know the Preakness Stakes winner, mm-hmm. uh, kind of passed him on the last you know kind of kind of final spot in uh, you know in the race. So passed him, and then you know. Uh, Forte, who was, you know, kind of the Kentucky Derby favorite and, you know, the favorite or one of the favorites coming into this race, uh, you know, did make a real late push to try to, you know, try to secure the victory. But ultimately, uh, you know, Archangelo came out, came out on top and, you know, took home, took home the prize. Uh, Matt, what's, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, it was a, another exciting race and uh, always, always fun to have the underdogs finish up there at the top. And that's kind of happened every race it hasn't been the favorite so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know it, it's been an exciting year for horse racing in that triple crown series uh, a pretty cool stat here with archangelo winning it's the first time that a triple crown 
uh, race has been won by a female trainer, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Jenna Ananucci. Mm-hmm. She became the first female tra- female trainer to win the Triple Crown. So, you know, congrats to her mm-hmm. and, and her team. That That's awesome. She's been trying at it for a while, and, and yeah. she was finally able to succeed here. So, you know, great kind of breaking through the, the, the glass ceiling there for her. And, right. you know, just another another notching the cap of, of horse racing mm-hmm. and showing that you know, really anybody can do it. It mm-hmm. was a actually Archangelo wasn't even an expensive horse. I think okay. they, they said they paid $35,000 for yeah, the horse. Right, so, right. you know, a lot, a lot of money paying off for these guys. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like I said, it, it, I'm sure it's not easy, but right, it, right. it shows, you know, it, all the money in the world or no right. money, right. You, you can, you can have a shot to do those right. things. Don't so have to have, cool. don't have to have the most expensive horse yeah. in the race. You know, it, you know, just gotta, you know, train it right and, you know, be, be ready in the moment kind of deal. Um, you know, an- another kind of, you know, quick, quick stat here that the jockey that was riding Archangelo, um, you know, actually captured two of the three triple crown races. So he was the jockey that was riding mage when he won the Kentucky Derby. Uh, so, Castellano, wasn't it? Yeah. Javier Castellano. Yep. Yep. Um, so that's pretty, pretty neat, you know, um, that it would be interesting to see. And I, I mean, I don't know if this, I, I would have to look this up to see if like the same jockey has rode, has ridden three different horses and has won the three triple crown, race. you know, three yeah. different races, you know, not the same, cool. not the same yeah. horse, but it'd almost be like the triple crown of, you know, the, the racer, jockey, yeah. the jockey, you know, it'd be, <laughs> be interesting to see. I, yeah, I didn't get time to look up and see if that's ever been, been accomplished, but, uh, you know, would be, would be pretty cool to, cool to see that. Yeah. Jockey ride three different horses and, you know, win, win the three triple right. crown races with, with three different horses. But, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun, you know, fun time, um, you know, this racetrack, like we mentioned before, the longest of the Triple Crown races, and I think one of the longest in like horse racing period, mm-hmm. uh, as far as the distance goes, a mile and a mile and a half, um, you know, you know, I did, did throw some money on it. Um, you know, my, my horse uh, that I threw some money on came in dead last. So that tells <laughs> you how much I know. So, um, you know, I, I kind of went with, you know, one of my stats last week that we talked about of, you know, the number one post position winning the Belmont the most times. Well, gotcha. Tap it, tap it shoes started in the number one spot. So I was like, and he was at 20 to one odds. So I'm like, you know, yeah, what the heck, you know, what bet. the heck? Yeah. Throw some money on it. You know, if he wins great, whatever, but uh, yeah, finished, finished dead last in this one. So uh, didn't, didn't pay out for me, but uh, you know, still, still fun, exciting, you know, a couple of minutes in, in sports to watch and um, you know, see, you know, see someone be happy or, you know, quickly lose your money. Right. So, but uh, yeah, so that, that kind of recaps the, the, the horse racing from our our perspective the horse racing season from our perspective obviously horse racing goes on pretty much all year round pretty much so uh, but you know these are the these are the big ones that we always you know try to try to talk about so we will have to wait until next year to see who you know can take home that elusive triple crown see if there's you know a possibility next next year for for a horse to a horse to do it so all right well then moving over from horse racing over to a little bit of golf golf talk. Uh, the U.S. Open, the third major on the you know on the slate, taking place this weekend, oh over on the West Coast, um, but not at, usually one of the more traditional you know West Coast courses. Going to be playing at the Los Angeles Country Club, the the North Course there at at the at the Country Club. Um, you know, first time that this course has hosted a major tournament, so it's going to be you know exciting for them, or you know kind of a big big deal for you know for this course. Um, you know, looking at the at the weather going to be you know low to mid 70s uh very little chance of rain wind i think it's going to be ideal perfect conditions for right. these for these golfers so i'm expecting 
expecting some low, some lower scores, just, you know, based on the, based on the weather. But, uh, you know, this course, you know, a par, a par 70 course, but, you know, somewhat, somewhat longer distance, uh, about 7,500 total yards for the, for the 18 holes. Um, you know, Matt, what do you, what do you think about this? Who do you, who do you like, or, you know, what, what do you think about this, this major? Well, you know, look, looking online and, uh, looking at some of the betting favorites, it's kicking off with Scotty Scheffler coming into this thing as the favorite six to one, followed by John Rahm, nine to one, Brooke Kepska, 17 to two, but you know, a, a guy I'm going to watch here and he's not getting a ton of love is Phil Mickelson. You mm. know, he, he showed a couple weeks ago in, in the last major he was in, he, yeah. he was competing. He was right there at the top, had yeah. a chance to win the thing. Right. And, and you know, he, th- this is the, the lone major that has eluded his career from mm. winning every major. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, he wants it, you right. know, he's ready to compete and, mm-hmm. you know, fresh off the heels of the, the merger of live golf and PGA. I, I right. think it's a little bit of weight off of his shoulders from that mm-hmm. whole conflict and right. all that. Right. So, you know, I think play a little he's going to play loose, yep. free and open. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think he deserved a little more love than I think right now is 250 to one. Wow. So, yeah. you know, right. a small gonna, bet on that and right. it could be all right for you. Obviously going to have a lot of, a lot of competition in this. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think the field is consists of 156 golfers yeah. uh, to start, you know, start the first two days. Uh, obviously they'll trim that number down to about, you know, the best 60 or so uh, once they make the cut. And, uh, you know, last kind of 60 or 60 ish golfers will play then, you know, Saturday, Sunday. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, you you put Scotty Scheffler in there. I saw something earlier in the week where he might be trying out a, a whole brand new putter this hmm. week. I'm not sure that this is the time or, right. you know, but I guess if you feel that confident, or, you know, feel that that's the necessary thing. I mean, there's a reason the guy is the number one golf, you know, number one ranked golfer in the world. Uh, you know, didn't get there by, you know, making stupid decisions or, you know, not playing great golf. So he really feels that that's what, you know, is going to going to help him or, you know, help propel him to, to victory. Then, you know, by all means, do do what you got to do. Um, you know, like I mentioned, you know, kind of kind of looking at this course, you know, some some golfers that I think are going to going to play well or, you know, the type of players. Um, I think the again, the approach shot on this on this course is going to be be key. Um like I mentioned, it's kind of a longer distance course. Um, so a lot of times these guys, second, second shots are going to be second or third shots are going to be from 175 yards or out, right. you know, it's going to be longer second shots than maybe what they're used to on, on other courses, uh, which means, you know, pinpoint accuracy got to be even more, you know, more, uh, you know, on top of your game, um, you know, and looking at kind of the greens or looking at how this, how this course is kind of set up. You know the 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 greens themselves, as far as you know, kind of square footage goes, they're they're actually pretty decent size compared to other you know PGA Tour style courses. But they're they're multi level at the same time, so you all you have to you really do have to put it in the right spot or you know put it in the right pin position, or you could be you know tough putt right right one tough putt or you know you stick it somewhere and then it you know rolls off or you know you know takes a bad roll or whatever, and you're yeah looking at what was going to be, you know, a decent putt turns into, you know, somewhat of a nightmare. Um, so yeah, it's going to, going to really come down to, you know, some guys that can really do well on their second shots, really, you know, put it, put it on the green. Um, but, you know, I think, I think even with those approach shots, I think you're going to see a lot of guys miss, miss these greens and regulation. So it's going to be okay around the green, you know, kind of these trying to, you know, save par or whatever, kind of around the green, your third, you know, possibly fourth shot around the green, how close can you chip it up on there? You know, pitch it up onto the onto the green and, right. and get a get a nice 
um, you know, close, close putt to, you know, save yourself a par, you know, set yourself up for a, a decent birdie opportunity. I think it's going to come into, come into play here, but uh, you know, for me, yeah, some of the, some of the golfers that, that I'm looking forward to, or, you know, some golfers, I think that kind of stand out that this course kind of plays to some of their, some of their strengths. Um, you know, Scotty Scheffler is up there. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have a ton of data on this course because like I mentioned, it's the first time that they're playing a major. They've only really hosted a, like two or three PGA events at this course. So a lot of these golfers have never even played this course before. Right. So there's not really a lot of data out there to say like, yeah, who's really going to set themselves apart in that, in that sense. But uh, Scotty Scheffler, like I mentioned, you know, number one golfer in, in the world golf rankings, in the U.S. Open, he you know tied for tied for second in last year's um, you know last year's U.S. Open. Um, Rory McIlroy is another name up there. Uh, he he won the U.S. Open back in 2011. Um, a guy that's maybe towards the back or you know kind of mid tier when it comes to the World Golf Rankings. Uh, Tyrell Hatton, um, his best finish at a U.S. Open been tied for tied for sixth. Uh, Victor Hovland, who you know won the Memorial here a couple weeks ago, I have him up there. Uh, he's, he's tied for 12th, uh, in, in us previous us opens. And then, uh, you know, a guy that's maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit of a dark horse, but a guy that always seems to be up there towards the top, just can't always put it together all four days. And that's, uh, Hideki Matsuyama. I got, got him, you know, this, this probably maybe course plays to his, his strengths or, you know, plays to some of his, uh, you know, better, better abilities as a golfer. Um, he did, you know, tie for second back in 2017 for the U S open. So, you know, amongst those, Amongst those golfers, you know, a lot of a lot of guys that have been finished runner up, but, you know, haven't been able to been able to get, you know, that elusive U.S. Open, you know, trophy. Obviously, Rory McIlroy out of that group is the only one that's that's won it. But I think, yeah, Matsuyama, this plays to plays to his strengths. If he can play consistent golf over four days, I think he can be, you know, towards the towards the top of that that leaderboard. So we shall see. Like I said, I think the conditions going to be, you know, ideal conditions for golf. Not too hot, not too cold. Wind perfect. You know, no no rain in the forecast. I think it's going to be, yeah, set set themselves up for you know some some good golf. But so, uh, so you think this being these guys' first time at this course, you, you think they'll play a little looser? Just you know, I mean, you go out and maybe you're just kind of playing for fun as mm-hmm. opposed to paralysis. You know, analysis by paralysis. You mm-hmm. know, you've been. You've been at it so many times, you're overthinking it. Right, Where right. Here, you're just, you're just kind of playing. You mm-hmm. know, maybe that plays into some of these guys' hands. Yeah, yeah, loser. yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think it will will play play a factor. I mean, yeah. If I think I think I could see it both ways. You yeah. know, definitely uh, see the golfers. Yeah, play loose just because. Yeah, they don't have a ton of familiarity with the with the course. But I can see it. You know, being the opposite too of you trying to because they don't have experience with it. You know, trying to play somewhat conservative and not. You know set themselves up, you know, for, for bad shot, just because of the distance that this course plays, the right. length that this course plays, you know, I, I, there's not a ton of trouble or, you know, it, it, you know, you can't really get yourself into a lot of trouble in this course. Although you do want to try to keep it somewhat on the beaten path when, when you're, you're going off the tee, cause mm. some of the roughs can get a little very, very rough as far as, you know, height of the grass and you know depth and stuff like that so you do want to try to keep it keep it straight straighter if you if you can and you know keep yourself out of some of that thick thick grass but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see how you know some of these guys navigate it um you know not having you know too much familiarity and uh, i will be interesting to see like like you know matt mentioned this will be the first you know first tournament first major that you know um since since the new merger between the live Mm -hmm. guys and Obviously, there's a lot of controversy on both, you know, both sides, a little animosity, uh, you know, 
both ways. The guys that stuck it out, you know, are somewhat a little bit perturbed by the PGA. They didn't take the money. Right. Yeah. And then, um, you know, on the, on the opposite side or, you know, some of the golfers that, that did leave or, you know, whatever, they got a little bit of animosity towards, towards them. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, uh, how, 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 you know, each of these players navigate now that we yeah somewhat got our full field back in it and, you know, going forward, hopefully we'll have, you know, most of the tournaments will have the full field or, you know, a lot of the, the bigger names that we're used to seeing. Obviously a lot of the, a lot of the details are still to be worked out on this whole merger and how it's going to work and who's paying for what and who's, you know, all that stuff. But, um, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, I, I think for, for the game of golf, it's, it's good to see everybody back, back together i think um so we shall see who's you know uh you know who's hoisting that you know that u.s open trophy and you know recap it next week on our on our show next week so we'll see uh yeah if it's one of the one of the big names or we got you know somewhat of a i wouldn't say no name but you know a a guy that we're not talking about much that you know plays some golf over here the next the next four days and see what see what they can do so all right well moving over from the golf course to the football field uh, another big time free agent, uh, going to be looking for, for a new team. Um, Minnesota Vikings, uh, relieved, uh, Dalvin cook of his services from the, from the team after spending, spending six seasons with the, with the team. Um, what I'm hearing the Vikings were trying to, you know, trying to find a trade or, you know, find a partner to, to make a trade with, but, you know, just weren't able to find, you know, find somebody that was willing to, willing to take him on at least probably with the with the amount of money that he was due to due to make yeah, a whopping uh, 14 million dollars right right what do you what do you think about this matt uh good good move for the vikings you know i think dalvin cook will obviously land on his feet somewhere right. but you know what what do you think about this move <clears throat> you know running back in this day and age in the nfl isn't as important as it has been in the past mm-hmm. I, I think if though if they're going to make this move they probably should have done it a little sooner mm-hmm. and really prepared for it in the draft yeah so yeah, I think they kind of missed an opportunity there. There are some young guys that probably could have came in and, mm-hmm. and filled those shoes, but by right. waiting until now, you've got you've got no backup plan here. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the guy in seventy three career games has uh, rushed for almost six thousand yards, forty seven touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also got almost two thousand yards receiving, another five touchdowns that way. So you know, I mean, the the guy is a, is a heck of a player. He puts up some stats, but I don't know. I mean. He, he, He's not, to me, he's not the elite running back in the league, and mm-hmm. that's what his salary was paying him. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, I could see wanting to get out from under that. I, I think you can get similar production from some other guys in the league. Right. So you know, I, I see the I see the reasoning to want to save some money. So you know, I, I don't think it's a terrible move for the Vikings as long as they can find somebody at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe they waited too long is the only the only bad spot I would see here from them. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, yeah, I think this is strictly a, a financial move from, from the Vikings, uh, you know, like Matt mentioned, uh, was, was, you know, set to make up about 14 ish million in, in cap space. But if he spent the entire season with the Vikings, he was at least due 11, you know, guaranteed $11 million mm-hmm. of that 14, you know, 14.1 million, um, you know, and, and I think, you know, just looking at stuff, it that's kind of a, a big number for, again, an aging running back. I think he's 30 or will be 30 or, you know, on the wrong side of 30 at this, at this point, uh, you know, who went over this past season, you know, touching the ball fifth, over 1500 times in his whole career. So right. he's, he's, you know, got a lot of use, got a lot of wear and tear on that body, uh, you know, by, by letting him go, the Vikings only had to pay him $2 million, $2 million. 
Um, you know, so they they saved about nine million dollars in cap space by by letting him go. Um, but uh, yeah, to be I, like I said, he'll he'll find a new a new home, you know, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and you know all the reports that I'm reading, he's no, he's not in any hurry to rush into anything. Yeah, he uh, wants ten million. Right, that's kind of his his sticking point mm-hmm. from what I'm hearing. So yeah, I, he, I think that's going to limit his suitors because. Mm-hmm. I was thinking when I first heard he was cut that, you know, maybe the Dallas Cowboys would be interested after letting Zeke go. They're similar. Maybe Dalvin's a little healthier at this mm-hmm, point in his mm-hmm, career. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe that would have been a thought, but at, at the 10 million price tag, I don't, I think the Cowboys are out on that bidding there. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I'm not sure what teams are, are hanging around with that kind of cap space to, right, to right. do that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, you know, yeah, I think at the same time, you know, looking for that, that right money situation, but also looking for, a team that that truly wants his services. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Vikings let him go. They, you know, were no longer you know in need or you know didn't want him on the on the team. So, you know, not not only from a money standpoint, but you know, Dalvin Cook wants to go to a team that that wants him. You know, mm-hmm. that that values him or you know wants wants him to be on the team and you know be a part of the offense. So, I think yeah, he he mentioned you know recently in the media that yeah he's in no no rush to to get on a team he wants to find the right you know right situation um you know find the right team for for him um you know ultimately i think he will he'll he'll find it um you know i, I saw something where where the dolphins you know were were a potential potential suitor my only you know question or concern with that is the dolphins are already pretty loaded at the running back position uh they already got raheem mostert jeff Mil- jeff wilson jr Miles Gaskin, and then they dra- just drafted a running back in this past, you know, NFL drafts. They got four decent running backs on right. the roster already, you know, adding Dalvin Cook to the mix. You know, there's only, again, only so many times to get the person right. the ball, or, you know, so many times to touch the ball. Uh, and you're just, paying him $10 million, Right, it's... right. Yeah, you're you're going to somewhat make him the, the star back, or you would think that he'd be right. the, the starter with that high price tag. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if the Dolphins will, you know, We'll go in on that or, or not, but uh, you know, like I said, he'll he'll find a new home, you know, a good spot. I mean, this is a guy that you know was drafted in the second round to the Vikings back in 2017, uh, but you know has dealt with some injuries over you know over the course of his of his year and all of his career. Uh, you know, rookie season he only lasted four games before he tore his ACL. Uh, you know, was out out for that, and then over the next kind of four seasons with the Vikings, he missed anywhere between two and five games over the next five, you know, every season it was either two, you know, somewhere between two and five games every, yeah. every year for the next five, you know, next four seasons with the Vikings. Um, and the guy even has a, a chronic soldier, uh, soldier, shoulder injury that he just had surgery on. This yeah. Offseason. And, and it, it basically, from what I'm, what I hear from what I'm reading, like it's a surgery or it's a, it's a shoulder injury that, it's not going away. Like mm. he can have as many surgeries as he wants on it or, you know, whatever. It's just something that he's going to have to going to have to play with type right. deal that it's not really anything that can be really repaired or, you know, um, so yeah, he's, he's basically somewhat got that injury there, mm. you know, and sometimes it's minor, but you know, one big hit, it turns from something minor into something right. major type deal. So it, that, that is always there, you know, kind of in the, in the back of your mind or, you know, for him, can he, can he stay on the field and, you know, give you the value at that, that $10 million. Um, but you know, even though with all of those injuries and, you know, whatnot, the guy still was able to produce or, you know, put up some numbers, um, between 2019, 2022, uh, he put up four consecutive thousand yard seasons. Um, and then between 2019 and 2020, he scored about almost 30 rushing touchdowns, um, and even got involved in the passing game 
you know, after after his rookie year, he's averaged about 42 catches a year. Um, so he's, you know, kind of a dynamic guy or, you know, a guy that gets involved in, you know, a little bit of everything on the offense. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, this past this past season, he was able to play or start every game, which is the first time he's ever done that in his career. Right. But if you look at the numbers, the numbers oh, weren't the yeah. numbers weren't there still, even though he played a full season. Um, so you know, it's it's going to be, you know, going to be interesting. I mean, yeah, a stat that he probably doesn't want to be leading in. Uh, you know, last year he had at least sixty-two carries last year, where he either he either lost or didn't gain a yard, yeah. and and that may not be all on him. Right. I mean, you, you, the offensive line has to you know open some holes or you know whatever at the same time. But you know, I think it, yeah, it's. It's a, it's a stat that, you know, teams are going to gonna look at. You know, the running back, I think, in today's NFL, like you mentioned, Matt, is always going to be under the microscope right. just because of, you know, the, the way the league is and, you know, the style of offenses that teams play now that, yeah, it's going to be one of those things that at any moment they start to see some kind of decline. Yeah, they're moving on to the next guy or, you know, they're they're getting in – they're bringing in another guy to, to help you out so that you don't have to take on as much of the load. So mm-hmm. – it will be will be interesting to see because yeah it's it, it seems like every year the running back when it comes to you know salaries or you know things like that it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and there's obviously some big time running backs that are you know due for their next you know kind of big contract if you will what you know what what does that look like for you know these next line of, of running backs um, you know with every like I said every year it seems like the running back position becomes more and more less less and less important right. i guess um so we shall see uh you know where dalvin cook is is headed but uh you know he'll he'll find a new home he'll find a right the right spot for him get get involved in the offense and you know hopefully help a team make a make a push to the playoffs and you know possible possible super bowl so all right well moving from football field over to the ice hockey arena uh stanley cup gone and you know came and gone and Shoo, we we got uh, you know the Vegas Golden Knights total domination by them in this in this Stanley Cup final. Um, you know, outside of Game Three, um, yeah, the Panthers never really looked looked in it. Uh, this was a series that yeah, the Golden Knights won three out of the four games. They won by multi-digit goals. Right. So uh, I just think yeah, to me, I think the Panthers ran out of gas is what it seemed like when I you know watched some of the games. Uh, yeah, just, you know, gave it their all, obviously a heck of a performance to get as far as they did, you know, the, the gauntlet of teams that they knocked off to get where they are. I just think, yeah, ultimately this golden Knights team, just too balanced, um, of, a, of, you know, on offense and defense, right. just too much for this, for this Panthers team, Matt, what, what do you think? Yeah. You know, the golden Knights completed what I love the term. The gentleman sweep, you know, winning it four games to one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it was goaltending that got the Panthers to the finals. But, man, that really let them down in this series. Mm-hmm. In, in the five games, the Panthers gave up 26 goals. Yeah. They were only able to muster 12 of their own. So, it, you know, you're not winning any series like that. It doesn't matter who you're playing. If, if you give up 26 goals, it's just right. it's way too much to overcome. And I agree. I, I think it's probably tired legs. That mm-hmm. defense wasn't playing as well in front of their goal goaltender right. as they were. And just you know, things that weren't getting by earlier were right. now getting by. Right. But, but uh, man, I got to give a big shout out to Las Vegas's uh, Jonathan Marshalt, though, winning the Conn Smythe Trophy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, MVP of the playoffs. Yep. 
He led all players in the playoffs with 13 goals, and he was second overall in the playoffs with uh, 25 total points. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the finals, he had four goals, four assists. Yep. And, uh, you know, another great thing for Marshall is he's one of the few remaining guys from Denver. when the, the expansion team Las Vegas came came into town. And mm-hmm. he, he's one of those originals. He's been there from the start. Yep. So he, he's experienced it all with these the guys. High, the highs, the lows. Yep. yep. So, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome. And, yep. and he got to stick it to his old team, too. <laughs> yep. The, the Florida Panthers let him go. They, they they didn't they didn't protect him. Right. And and let Las him, Vegas said walk. we want we'll this guy. Him. We'll take him. Right. And the rest is history. And now he's 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 a Stanley Cup champion and right. MVP. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's uh it's even more interesting because uh, the owner uh, Bill Foley back when you know Vegas kind of started up and you know was getting their team together you know back in 2017, um, you know he said at that time that their plan was to make it to, or was to win a Stanley cup in six years, mm-hmm. 2017 to 2023. Here we are six years mm-hmm. later, they won, you know, won the Stanley cup. Uh, you know, actually he also made a comment that their, their goal was to make it, just make it to the playoffs in three seasons. They made first it to the year. first year. They made it to the <laughs> Stanley the cup final, you know, ultimately lost to the Washington capitals, but you know, eclipse that, you know, Mark easily, right. but, you know, then, you know, hit the mark by winning the Stanley cup in, in six years, like they, like they said. And, you know, I, I think they are the epitome of, you know, another man's trash is another man's treasure because right. a lot of their players, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, that they, that they started with, or, you know, some of the, some of the originals are still, you know, some of the core guys that are on still on that team are the guys that, yeah, they, they picked up in the expansion draft that, you know, other teams just kind of threw to the side, you know, right. didn't, didn't want them. And here we, here we are. Um, you know, I, I do have to do have to say, I think, yeah, that, that defense did, it, it went away for the, for the Panthers. They typically play, you know, more of a physical style. Um, I think, again, I think that, that, that fatigue came into play. I mean, they're because of that grueling style that they play. I mean, you have to get up in every game and be ready to, ready to go. And, and, you know, as, as deep as they, you know, the deeper and deeper they go, you know, the more wear and tear it takes, you know, takes on the body and, and a lot less time to recover and, and, and be ready to ready to play that physical style night in and night out. Um, you know, I think ultimately for, for the Panthers, you know, they, in game five, they were, they were without their star player, uh, Matthew Kachuk, uh, game five, you know, he didn't even, didn't play, didn't suit up. Um, and from what I was seeing, he actually, in game four actually fractured his sternum. Um, I think I actually might've been in game three, game four, he was able to go, he skate, you know, was able to play, you know, quite a bit of minutes in game four uh, from what I was hearing from the coach or from inside the locker room uh, game four, they had to have, he couldn't even like bend over. Like they had to have somebody like put his Jersey on for him and like tie his skates because like he was pretty much like stiff as a board. Couldn't even, you know, barely, but, Game four, he gave it what he could, you know, went out there and tried his, you know, tried what he could, but game five, it just too much, too much pain, right. you know, not, not enough to, to get up for, for game five, you know, obviously yeah, got to commend that effort in, right. in a final. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, um, yeah, so I think, yeah, just hats off to this golden Knights team, you know, over the course of the playoffs, the entire season has been one of the consistently better, you know, best teams up there. Yeah. Um, you know, just again, a well-balanced team that they get a lot of scoring from a lot of different guys. Uh, you know, goalie play has been, has been great for them, you know, throughout the playoffs, throughout the season, uh, you know, and then, yeah, just a well-balanced team that was, 
you know, able to able to get it done and, you know, take home their their first Stanley Cup championship. And I would think, you know, with a lot of these guys, you know, coming back next year, they got to be, you know, pinned as the as the favorites for, for next season. But, you know, there's always teams gunning for it. Right. It's always tough to tough to repeat. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what what this Vegas team can do. Uh, you know, ironically, this, uh, you know, Vegas is slowly coming into, uh, you know, a, a sports town, if you will. Um, you know, their their hockey team wins the Stanley Cup. Uh, their WNBA team won this won the championship last year. Uh, their WNBA team's looking like one of the best teams in the league this year. I guess all at this point, they just got to get the Raiders going. And right. they got, you know, somewhat of the trifecta there in, in Las Vegas and then you know, we talked about the Oakland Athletics making their way to Vegas. Yeah, so that sounds like it might be hitting a bit of a snag right now. Uh, I think I they heard. did get it. I think they did get it done. Was they they, they, okay. they signed. They got got three hundred eighty million dollar deal from the city. Okay. I think from of Las Vegas to, to pursue their you know building their stadium or at least getting it getting it started. So I think it's uh, yeah somewhat of a of a done deal now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Vegas is gonna yes yeah, maybe slowly turn into you know like a Boston or a New York, you know, right. at this point with, with as much dominance as they've had in, in professional sports here as of recent, but we shall see, um, you know, hats off to the, to the golden Knights, uh, you know, hockey season done. We'll, we'll be back before you know it, it'll be starting back up again. So, all right, well, we're going to take another quick uh, commercial break. Uh, stick with us. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA once we get back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, and we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Like I mentioned before the break, I'm going to talk a little bit of NBA news. Quickly before we uh, you know, talk NBA finals, going to run through a couple of, couple of storylines that came through over the last week. Um, Final NBA head coaching vacancy has been filled. The Toronto Raptors were, were the last ones to fill their head coaching spot. Uh, they they fill it with Darko Rajkovic, um, the former Memphis Grizzlies assistant coach. Um, you know, probably a guy that, you know, I didn't know all that much about or, you know, hadn't heard that much about. But, uh, you know, a guy that's been been around the league for, you know, the last kind of decade, uh, you know, via via Serbia, came, came from Serbia to uh, back in 2012 to uh, actually coach the uh, Oklahoma City Thunders G League, G League team uh, before making his way onto, you know, the Oklahoma City bench as, a, as an assistant coach. Uh, Matt, what do you think about this, about this hire that the, that the Raptors made? Yeah, you know, you, you see all these other guys bringing in the big names and kind of just – Re, re, rinse, repeat, rewash, you know, throw, throw them in the cycle again, you know? So, it, I, you know, I, I, I kind of like that they're thinking outside the box. They're mm-hmm. trying to get somebody new because, right. you know, the, all these guys that keep getting recycled, there's a reason they're getting recycled. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not getting it done right. when it, when, when it matters most. So, right. you know, maybe, maybe that's what you need to do is you get outside the box, bring somebody in like that and, mm-hmm. and really see what they can do. I mean, the guys been been all around the league, three different teams, OKC, Phoenix, Memphis. So, you know, he, he's learned under some different head coaches. He's 
picked up some different details right. and some things he can implement himself. So mm-hmm. it, it'll be interesting to see what he does. It'll be interesting to see what Toronto has for him after right. uh, Fred Van Vliet just chose to to, to not out. not resign. He opted out, so he's a free agent. Right. So it, it'll be interesting to see what type of team he has. And mm-hmm. I think that was a big part of the reason why they, they signed uh, Tarko there because yeah. they thought he would fit well with, with a veteran team. Or a completely rebuilt team. They thought he'd fit both ways. Yeah. He'd be able to work with them. So yeah. they said that was a big part of the reason they brought him in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, obviously, uh, just because just because Van Van Vliet, you know, opted out of his contract doesn't mean he can't, you know, come back to the Raptors right. or the Raptors can't re-sign him type deal. It's just, you know, he's opting out of his final year, you know, possibly going to test free agency, see what, you know, money he can draw or, you know, whatever. Um, obviously been, been, been a key guy for this Raptors team for, for quite a while here, but uh, you know, outside of, outside of him, you know, Gary Trent jr. Who's been a piece that they added here recently as well um, has the ability to also opt out of the final year of his contract, if you will. So, you know, two kind of, kind of veteran guys or, you know, more, mm-hmm. more kind of veteran guys on the team that, you know, hopefully, you know, depending on, yeah, what route the Raptors want to go or, you know, how, how, Darko decides he wants to kind of build this team, you know, letting some of those veteran guys go or, you know, starting, starting fresh from the, from the draft or, you know, trying to bring in some, some younger talent to, you know, start to start to rebuild uh, will be, will be interesting. I think, yeah, the Raptors are kind of at that crossroads right now right. Uh, where they still do have a lot of veteran guys on the, on the team. Um, but you know, which, which direction do they, do they want to go? Do they keep, keep going with those veteran guys or do you blow it all up and, you know, start, start fresh, uh, we'll be, we'll be interesting to see which, uh, you know, which route they decide to take. Um, you know, and obviously Darko's been, been with, uh, you know, a couple or, you know, two, two or three different teams. And, you know, the, when he's there, I mean, those, those teams have had success and, mm-hmm. you know, have had some, some higher profile coaches while he's been, you know, been with those teams, you know, obviously Oklahoma City back in, you know, 2012, somewhat of an up and coming team. Uh, you know, the last couple of seasons, the Phoenix Suns have been, you know, phenomenal. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies, if if there's a blueprint for building up a younger, you know, a young team, it's the Memphis Grizzlies there that right. he, you know, has the kind of the perfect blueprint or, you know, kind of a, a way to see how that how that worked because, you know, Memphis was, yeah, obviously – um, you know, picking, picking a lot of young guys and, you know, it's, it's culminated into, you know, some, some success for, for the Memphis Grizzlies. So got a, got a good blueprint to, to kind of work off of there. Um, you know, I think in, in either way, he's got, you know, a good blueprint if he just, if they decide to go more of the veteran route, you know, obviously with Phoenix, they've had some, some veterans, some big name players that they've had in Phoenix. So I think he's going to be set up or he's, you know, based on his you know previous experiences, he's set up for, for success because he's been a part of both kind of, you know, both, both methods, if you will, of, of, you know, building a team. So we shall see, um, you know, some, some other, you know, finalists, I guess that were, you know, in the running for this, for this Raptors job uh, was Golden State's assistant coach, Kenny Atkinson, and then Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks uh, assistant coach, Charles Lee were kind of the other, other two guys that the Raptors had, you know, kind of narrowed it down to these three guys and ultimately, you know, decided to go with, uh, with, with Darko on yeah, this Interesting. One. All three, I think probably had no, no previous mm. head coaching. Experience. I think, I think Kenny Atkinson has been, been a head coach before. I think he coached maybe the Brooklyn Nets at, at one point, but okay. I think uh, outside of that, yeah, I think both of the other guys have, have no prior head coaching mm. experience, but uh, you know, it, yeah. Interesting to see. Yeah. The, the direction that the Raptors, you know, even with Kenny Atkinson having some of that, you know, right. experience, still decided to go with the guy that yeah has been 
an assistant coach at several spots, but you know, never been been at the been at the helm right. for uh, you know for an NBA you know NBA franchise. So we shall see. Um, you know, yeah, a lot of a lot of coaching moves over this off season. Probably a lot, of, you know, a lot more than what we're used to seeing as far as uh, teams changing their head coaches. But uh, we'll see how how it plays out, or you know, who's who's gonna you know come out on top, or who made the right move at the at the head coaching position. So, all right, well. Moving over then, uh, you know, we're sticking with the NBA, but, uh, you know, like Matt mentioned, you know, at the top of the show, the next uh, next wave of NBA rookies is, is you know, waiting, you know, patiently waiting, uh, anxiously waiting probably uh, to hear their name called here in a, in a couple weeks. Uh, the, the NBA draft is is, a, is coming up, I think, next next week. Uh, it'll be, be here. Uh, so we're just going to, you know, kind of quickly run through uh, the lottery teams starting with the first, the first half, the first seven teams that are picking one through seven, uh, kind of give our feedback, kind of our idea of you know where these teams are thinking, what they're you know what they're where, where they're headed, what they're picking. Um, you know, we'll we'll get it started here. San Antonio Spurs uh, picking picking number one, a team that's we're not used to seeing picking up here towards the towards the top of the top of the order, but uh, you know landed the number one pick, uh, but. You know, if there's a team that's had success at landing this number one pick, it's been the San Antonio Spurs. Right. Last couple of times they've had that number one pick, they drafted David Robinson and drafted Tim Duncan, two franchise right. cornerstones for that. That you know, for the Spurs that, yeah, are up in the rafters, mm-hmm. hold records upon records. Um, you know, so Matt, who do you what do you think about the Spurs having no more pick here? Where, where do you think they're headed? Well, it's interesting. The last two number one picks they had were big men and centers, and. Mm-hmm. That's clearly where they're going here. They're, yeah. they're going with Victor Wimbayama yep. out of France. He's seven foot four, two hundred ten pounds. The guy's athletic, though. He, he moves kind of like Kevin Durant and some mm-hmm. of those guys. Yeah. And we, I mean, we just saw what what the uh, the Denver Nuggets did with with Jokic, with, with Jokic and right. a big man, right. this, a, this, a versatile big yeah, man. Yeah. It, it's it's interesting that how the the league's really kind of turning tides here. Mm-hmm. It's it's been a guard dominated league for a long time, but now the best teams in the league seem to have a dominant big man right, right now. Right. So, you know, I, I think it's probably what the Spurs are going to need to be able to compete. And mm-hmm. he, he's clearly heads and tails above everybody else mm-hmm. right now for that number one spot. Yep. Yep. No, I got the, I got the same thing there, you know, and yeah, a lot of the things that you mentioned, you know, scouts are saying that this guy, yeah, a seven foot four Kevin Durant on all on the offensive mm-hmm. side and, you know, the potential to be a mixture between Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert on the defensive side. Right. So, you know, a lot of big names there, a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of hype around this, around this kid, you know, at the young age of only 19 years old, uh, you know, coming in to help, you know, a Spurs turn around a Spurs franchise that, like I mentioned, has, has been historically up towards the top or, you know, competing for NBA championships, not a team that, you know, is usually used to, uh, you know, picking up towards the, towards the front of the draft here, but, you know, uh, yeah, there's one guy that, you know, can possibly turn this franchise around. It's, it's probably Victor and, and, you know, he's been playing overseas in France and, you know, he's a human highlight reel at this mm-hmm. point, you know, the guy can do just about anything. So we'll see how he translates to the, to the NBA, how, how his game, you know, translates here, but you know, the Nuggets, obviously Jokic, a foreign player, he's been the dominant guy here the last several seasons. So we'll see what, what Victor can do, but uh, you know, hoping, hoping to have big things there in San Antonio. Uh, then moving to the number two pick, the Charlotte Hornets own that. Um, I'll start it off here. I think it's it's probably a toss up of who they're mm-hmm. who they're going here at number two. Uh, I, I like the guy out of Alabama, the the forward out of Alabama, and Brandon Miller. 
uh, six foot nine, 200, 200 pound guy, a, a freshman uh, for Alabama that was phenomenal for them. A guy that, you know, is, is probably your prototypical kind of three and D player, uh, you know, shoots the ball well from, from the three point line. And then, you know, is, is very long and, and lanky and can, you know, really D up on the defensive end as well. Uh, but a guy that, you know, not only just, you know, stands at the three point line, but he can create his own shot too. Mm-hmm. a guy that, you know, really has great shot creation ability. So, I like a you know kind of the long lanky guy out of out of Alabama for for this Hornets team. Yeah, and uh, I'm 100 with you here. I, I assume you were probably thinking Scoot Henderson was probably right. the the one B here. Right, right. It, the only problem I see with that, the, too much redundancy there with the, the Hornets already have Lamelo Ball. Right, right. I, I, I think. I mean, so the question is, do you, do you take the the top available guy or right. do, you, do you take the the better fit guy? Mm-hmm. I, I think you got to go better fit. And I agree with right. Brandon Miller. The only thing that concerns me with Brandon Miller mm-hmm. is. Watching him in the uh, the NCAA tournament, yeah. he disappeared when it yeah. mattered the most. Right, so the, right. the guy wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And is that going to be signs of things that come in the future? Right. You know, I mean, back in the day, I remember watching Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade in in the NCAA tournament, and mm-hmm. they shined the brightest mm-hmm. when it was that time. And I said, these guys are going to be stars, right, and, and right. they were. Mm-hmm. Where now you see Brandon Miller wasn't really a star when it mattered the most. Mm-hmm. He was a star all season long, probably right. the best player in college basketball. Right. But man, when when the, the lights were shining the brightest, he kind of disappeared. That mm-hmm. that would have me a little worried. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, a Hornets franchise that's looking to turn around and you know make make it back to the playoffs mm-hmm. and you know make make some deep run in the playoffs where yeah the the lights get brighter when it comes you know NBA playoff time. So we we shall see uh, what what happens there. I mean, uh, yeah, the guy's 20, 20 years old, so you mm-hmm. know still got a long you know long life or you know NBA life ahead of him. We'll see see what he what he decides to do but uh you know then moving over to the third the third pick uh the portland trailblazers hold the third pick you know potentially may not be holding that third pick i'm you know hearing a lot of you know a lot of talk that they may be trading out you know for trading out of that pick but uh you know if, if they stick where they are you know don't don't trade out i think we get we get scoot henderson here the, the guard out of you know out of uh actually did go to college played one year in the in the g league in the g league ignite you know g league ignite team a six foot two, 195 pound guy, um, you know, outstanding length, um, you know, even though at six, two, his wingspan is six foot nine. So, you know, almost, you know, seven more inches, uh, you know, from, from tip to tip and just a super athletic kind of guard that, that I think, you know, will be, will be interesting, uh, to see what the, what the trailblazers do. Um, just a lot of talk coming out of the trailblazers, you know, camp, not only with this pick, but, is Damian Lillard on his right. way out too? Well, so and I, I think if you make this pick, right. Lillard's got to be on his way out. Right. I mean, they're they're right. very similar players, mm-hmm. and they both need the ball to be able to dominate right. here. So, yeah, I, I think, I mean, he's the best available. It's mm-hmm. kind of who you have to go with. Right. But I, I think it's probably going to be a changing the guard if they do, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see what happens, what the Trailblazers do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, moving over to the fourth fourth pick, we got the Houston Rockets, uh, team that finished twenty two and sixty last year. Uh, you know, a, a team that has quite a bit of young talent or young pieces on their on their roster. Uh, but you know, looking to add one more one more to the mix, and hopefully that'll be the difference maker to to put them over the top. But I uh, got one of the one of the Thompson brothers. I got Amon Amon Thompson, the forward uh, that also didn't play. Didn't play college ball. Went to overtime elite, a uh, different kind of league outside of the outside of the traditional methods. Uh, six foot six, two hundred fourteen pound uh, forward, but a guy that's that's pretty versatile. Um, can play probably the positions one through three. Um, you know, handles the ball well. 
Um, you know, I, I think this is a Rockets team that maybe would want to add or, you know, looking to add more of a, a veteran kind of NBA rookie, if you will, mm-hmm. um, just because they do have so many younger guys. They're looking to have somebody that, you know, maybe maybe has played in the in college a few more years or, you know, has had some more years on him. But I just think with Thompson's versatility, I think it's just hard to hard to pass up right. at this point. Well, they're such a young athletic team. Why not add another, add another young athletic piece right. to that and yeah. really start running and gunning and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe – if, if you can't beat them on town alone, you beat them by just wear them wear out. Them out. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. you know, I, I think it could definitely be a good fit there. I think it stinks for uh, one of my favorite players from the Rockets, uh, the ex, uh, or ex Ohio state Buckeye there. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, I can't even think of his name right now, but, uh, I'm sure he'll lose some playing time cause he's a small forward out there, but right, right. you know, you gotta do what's best for the team. I, mm-hmm. I think the Rockets, I think Amon Thompson's probably where they go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving over to uh, a team that has been picking up towards the top here, the Detroit Pistons uh, finished last year 17 and 65. Uh, I believe had had the worst record in the NBA, but you know the the, the ping pong balls didn't, did didn't you know yeah did not fall in their favor. They're they're picking fifth here. Um, yeah, who, Matt, who do you who do you like there picking picking number five? Yeah, really, it's, it's you're kind of starting to run out of the big names already. Mm-hmm. The the class isn't absolutely spectacular mm-hmm. this year top so, to bottom yeah, yeah so I, I think detroit is going to go with a, a little bit of a bigger guy here they're going to go with uh, taylor hendricks out of ucf he's okay. six foot eight 214 pounds uh, that stretch four kind of guy shoot a little bit from the outside mm-hmm. average uh, almost 40 percent shooting three points uh ucf and yeah. uh, average 15.1 points per game so i think he'd, he'd be a nice fit there in detroit yeah obviously uh this pistons team another Another team that has a lot of you know young talent on it, and you know Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivey, uh, Cade Cunningham that they've added the last couple of drafts here. Uh, you know, obviously going to add add one more. You know, I, I like a guy, another big big guy with a big frame, uh, Cam Cam Whitmore, the forward out of Villanova, six foot six, two hundred and thirty five pounds, uh, just a, a freak athlete. Uh, you know, uh, over forty inch vertical. Uh, guy that yeah again has has a big frame but can shoot the ball from the outside uh just add him to the to the mix of you know kind of guards or you know somewhat guard heavy there in detroit add a add another versatile big man to to the mix uh, i think you know the pistons could be you know kind of an up-and-coming team there obviously a new new head coach in, in monty williams uh we'll see what he what he can do how he can get all these you know young guys to kind of mesh together and you know make a make a decent team there in detroit yeah it's, it's funny you uh you pick Whitmore there because I actually got him going next right next, now with yeah. the Orlando Magic there so I, I think the, the small forward out of Villanova yeah fit in nicely there I, I think they would want more for like a, a point guard spot but they, right. you got to go best available mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. you'd, be, you'd be reaching to take a point guard here so right. I, I think they're just staying young staying athletic and getting a good player there and Cam Whitmore that's who I got with the uh, Orlando Magic at six yeah well I got uh I got the the guard out of Arkansas, the point guard out of Arkansas, Anthony Black, a, a six foot six point guard, two hundred and ten pounds. Um, I think the guy is yeah got a high basketball IQ. Um, you know he, he's also you know on the defensive end a guy that because of his height and, and size he's able to guard multiple positions even from the point guard position. Um, so I think yeah he's going to fit in nicely with with the with the Magic who you know had a decent season you know just narrowly missed out on the playoffs this past year you know, adding to the, to that young team that they got, you know, in the Orlando magic, you know, I, I think maybe, maybe the missing piece that they have on that team is not having real, a real true point guard on the team, you know, add a guy like Anthony black to the mix, you know, look out for this, this Orlando magic team. So 
Uh, then moving over to our last, you know, piece that we're going to, you know, last team we're going to talk about on this, on this segment until, until next week. And that's the uh, Indiana Pacers picking number seven. Um, I got the big man out of Houston, uh, Jarris Walker at, at six foot seven, 249 pounds. Uh, you know, we talk about Jokic, you know, being kind of that big man that can do it all. It's another guy that, you know, has great shooting ability, can pass and can dribble even at, at six foot seven, you know, 250. Uh, guy that yeah has has kind of you know is really excels at kind of all those all those spots and that's you know we'll, we'll talk about you know the Denver Nuggets here in just a, a short time but you know that that was a big key as to why this Nuggets team's you know got a got an NBA championship under their belt so if you can find a find a guy that uh, you know was able to able to do that and you know be able to pass and, and dribble mm-hmm. like Jokic can you know that that's you know a heck of a heck of a deal. The only thing that does concern me there, you know, with, with Jarris, uh, he didn't, didn't, wasn't able to work out at his pro day due to an elbow injury. So hopefully that's not something that lingers or something that, you know, is going to be going to be an issue for him. But, you know, I think as long as he's healthy, I think the Pacers, you know, you know, pair nicely and, 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 you know, take Walker out of, out of Houston. Right. Well, for me, I got the Indiana Pacers taking a Sarah Tom Thompson, the, uh, the other of the Thompson's here out of the yep. overtime elite six foot six, 218 pounds. Mm-hmm. Pacers like to run, and uh, with their young stars, Tyler Halliburton, and uh, I think uh, Osir Thompson will be a nice fit with him. They can run up and down the court. and yeah. You know, uh, Thompson plays some decent defense. I, I, he does need to improve on that three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. He shot under 30%. Yeah, okay. So I, I think if he can – he can make some strides there. He, right. can, he can really have a have a good rookie season there. All right. Awesome. Well, we'll talk uh, part two next week. The other, you know, teams uh, picking in the lottery, uh, you know, next week before before the draft and, you know, see where, where some more guys are headed. So, all right. Well, the uh, wrap-up of the of the NBA season is upon us, you know, much like the NHL, you know, pretty one, one-sided in the NBA finals. The Nuggets uh, take it take it home four to – Four to one, you know, another another series where the Heat, you know, outside of game two, never really looked looked in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a team four out of the five games. They never scored over 100 points. Uh, I think, again, another team that I think just ran out of ran mm-hmm. out of gas or, you know, the magic just kind of ended uh, because uh, in a lot of the series, you know, prior to this, they they weren't really well known as, you know, coming into the, the playoffs as a great outside shooting team. Mm-hmm. And in the, you know, the three series prior to the NBA finals, man, they were shooting, they were shooting lights out. And I think it finally somewhat caught up to them and, you know, tired legs playing that long of, you know, you're, you're almost playing a quarter of a season, you know, going that deep into the playoffs, uh, you know, and and if you're not prepared for it or not ready for it, I mean, it, it will quickly, you know, bite you or, you know, that fatigue will quickly set in. And I think, you know, this Nuggets team with as deep as they are and as many guys that can contribute, it, it just makes it too tough for, for a Miami Heat team that, you know, just wasn't able to get it done. Right. Yeah, you know, and a spectacular uh, series there by Denver. But, you know, I, I felt like this was actually a closer series, at least compared to the hockey matchup mm-hmm. where the team was getting blown out every night. Right. I, the, the Heat stayed in those games. Yeah. You know, they, they kept it competitive. And right. they, they, they showed the fight of a champion. They mm-hmm. just, like you said, didn't have enough left. And right. the eight seed fought their way all the way through. Right. Uh, but shoot, you got to give it to Joker here. Oh. Guy averaged what 30, 34, 37 points, something like that. Yeah. 14 rebounds and uh, seven assists. So he almost averaged a triple double for the finals. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. just unheard of. And, right. You know, hats off to him for, for the series he played. Right. My question for, for the Denver Nuggets, you know, does it take away from their championship a little bit that 
they beat an eight seed. You know, they didn't have to take on the Boston Celtics. They didn't have to play the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, right. the, they, the, the, the teams that were the top three seeds there in the East. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I know hats off to the Heat. They beat them. Right. But does it still take away a little bit of luster when you beat an eight? And then before that, you beat a seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess at this point, it's, you know. You beat who's in front of you. Yeah, you can't, you can't help it. I mean, that, right. you know, they took care of business. They did what they had to do. The rest of it played out the way that it played out. I mean, yeah, obviously, if they had it all, you know, to do over again, I mean, yeah, they probably would have picked to play, you know, some tougher teams mm-hmm. to, you know, maybe legitimize that NBA championship. But at the end of the day, you know, look how tough it is to win an NBA right. championship. All those top teams, heck, some of them didn't even make it out of the first round. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think it's, uh, yeah, no matter one through eight, it, it's still the NBA playoffs. It's a whole new level of, you know, the NBA. Um, so, yeah, they. This Nuggets team, you know, as dominant as they were during the regular season, could have just been just like the Milwaukee Bucks and got right. knocked out in the first round. But, you know, they took care of business, you know, held, controlled what they can control right. and, and you know, let the rest, you know, play out the way it plays out. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that this Heat team is truly, uh, you know, I know what it says on paper. They're an eight seed, but I don't think this is your traditional eight seeded team. That's true as well. Because, you know, they, they obviously knocked off some big, you know, some big time teams. You know, we're coming into the playoffs as, you know, as a team that, yeah, everybody was kind of like, if there's one team that can be a dark horse that maybe makes a run to the finals, it's this Miami Heat team right. and, and and look where they, they got. But, yeah, I think the, the the scores don't quite reflect, you know, how close maybe this series, this series was at mm-hmm. times. It just seemed like the fourth quarter, that's when it really set in the fatigue and, and, and just the heat running out of gas. Right. That always seemed to be the Nuggets – separating themselves the heat were kind of you know coming into the fourth quarter they were real close or had the lead and then the fourth quarter the nuggets just kind of took over um you know so i think it just yeah was the difference that the heat kind of kind of just yeah their legs got tired just weren't able to close it out for you know all 60 minutes in this one um you know so we we shall see obviously this nuggets team they you know win their first you know first nba championship in franchise history um you know but this is a team that's they're not going away. Their right. their starting five is actually under contract at least until 2024. So they're at least all under contract at least until next year. Uh, but you know we'll we'll see. And you know this is a team that you know this has been a long time coming for for this Nuggets team. I mean, obviously they added Jokic, they drafted you know uh, Murray, they drafted um, you know Michael Porter Jr. Um, but you know the last several years, this Nuggets team has been up there, closer and closer, but yeah. they just have not been able to get over the hump. So what do they do? They added some veteran pieces. They added Aaron Gordon at the trade deadline a couple seasons ago. They added Contavious Caldwell Pope, you know, in free agency who already had an NBA championship under his belt with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, so, you know, they added those couple of pieces, but you know, they also had to wait for a couple of their, you know, big time guys, you know, Kyle, not Kyler Murray, uh, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., um, you know, both early on in their careers suffered some pretty serious knee and back injuries. They had to kind of wait until they got healthy to, you know, they didn't make any kind of knee-jerk reactions. They right. didn't start moving guys. They didn't start getting rid of coaches. They they just, you know, stayed the course, you know, just started slowly adding guys that fit into the scheme or, you know, some of the missing pieces that right. they needed to be an NBA championship team. 
and it ultimately all paid mm-hmm. off here, you know, with, with winning this NBA championship. Yeah, I love that they're a, a built team, mm-hmm. 90% built through the right, draft, right. and then at, they added pieces, they didn't add stars. Right, so, right. you know, I, I think that's pretty cool that they, they built a championship mm-hmm. team, and it can be done. Right. You don't have to go out and get the, the big three to play together. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. draft a team, you can put a team together. I mean, that should give every team in the NBA hope that, you know, in a done. couple of seasons, you can build a team if right. you just make the right choices. You right. find pieces that complement each other, mm-hmm. that can play defense, play some, you know, shoot pretty well on the offensive side, and, yeah. and you can do it. You can put a team together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, ultimately, yeah, like you said, Jokic was unstoppable in this series. The Heat had absolutely no answer for him. He was dominant. I mean, I think I think we thought that was going to be the case, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I think he took it to a whole new level. Uh, obviously. Was uh, you know the finals MVP, which right. you know rightfully so. Um, and you he's got to be laughing all the way to, to to that NBA title because you know Joel Joel Embiid finally won the MVP this year, and right. you know joke, Joker's joke on Embiid because right. he's got the NBA title, right? So. With the, the the probably the trophy or the you know the thing that has eluded Embiid at this yeah. point in his career. You know, obviously got his Play first MVP, success, yeah. you know, got his first MVP award, but you know, I think probably. I don't know. Some some guys like the MVP award more than NBA championships, but I'm sure if you ask Joel, he probably would yeah. like to be on the other end and and you know be hoisting that that Larry O'Brien trophy. But uh, you know, ultimately, yeah, Joker got got the last laugh, and he's holding holding the trophy and the, the Finals MVP. Right. So probably more more important to him at this point. But uh, we shall see what what next season brings. You know, much like the NHL, it'll be here. You know. Regular season will be starting back up. And so, uh, what, what do you think the Heat do this off season? You think they they add a big piece, or you think they add some more minor pieces? So, I mean, they've they've got a nice core with Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. and uh, Bam Adebayo. Yeah, Tyler Hero's healthy. Right. I mean, that that's a pretty pretty good core there. Right. Um, but and, do they let Tyler Hero go and, and try to add a bigger piece to, to form a big three, or what? what yeah, do you think they do. Here? I think uh, you know, like we like I mentioned with the the Portland Trailblazers, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they what they do. Um, you know, what I'm hearing, you know, if, if, if the rumors are true that, you know, Damian Lillard, whether he's the one that's wanting out or the Portland Trailblazers are, you know, letting him go or, you know, trying to find a trade piece to, you know, start their rebuild. What I'm hearing is the heat is somewhat at the top of the list for, for his services, which, you know, is, is, you know, I, I think will fit in well because he's obviously more of a guard and, you know, kind of a point guard, you know, whatever, where, you know, Butler's, you know, more your forward kind of guy and, and Bam's, you know, your typical center, but, you know, versatile guy for, for a big man. You know, I think, yeah, ultimately if they can, if they can swing and get Damian Lillard and keep Tyler Hero in the mix at the same time, that's going to be a dangerous, a dangerous right. team. Um, I but, think Hero's got to be a piece. Though. Right, right. I, you know, obviously the Trailblazers, you know, I guess it, what are they looking for? Mm-hmm. Are they looking for more just draft capital to start, you know, drafting guys or are they – want you know somewhat of a veteran guy you know in return to you know help with that rebuild a little right. bit uh it'll yeah just be interesting to see what what that what that does but yeah i think i think the heat probably need to add you know somebody in the mix like i mentioned they four out of the five games they didn't score above 100 mm-hmm. points they it, it they, well, got, they didn't have hero for those either right so. right i mean it may be a different series but uh you know this this is a team that even during the regular season was not a great offensive right. team, um, you know, so I think they've got to add, you know, somebody that can take some of the weight off of Jimmy Butler a little bit and, and be kind of that, that one, two tandem that we saw with the Denver Nuggets. Cause Jokic obviously played out of his mind, but Murray was just as, you know, just right. as good for, for the Nuggets up there. So if they can find, you know, a nice, a nice piece that can be consistently 
you know, a, a scoring threat for that, for that heat team. And I, I think Damian Lillard, if they are able to swing that would be a nice, you know, a nice fit in or yeah, a nice fill in for, for this heat team. So, all right. Well, that's all we got for this week on our show. We uh, appreciate you listening to uh, fired up with your hosts, Colton cow, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And, you know, if you want to hear, uh, other topics for future episodes or you know you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show feel free to reach out to us on our different social medias uh you can reach to reach out to us on instagram at fired up underscore podcast or you can find us over on facebook if you search for fired up comma sports podcast and as always you can head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com where you can find all of our past episodes and you know just a little bit of information about about the show um, as well, you can find this episode and all of our past episodes on pretty much any podcast platform you can think of Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So anywhere we can listen to a podcast, you can find our show. So we appreciate y'all listening. And as always stay, stay fired, fired up. up.